Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special side quest episode of Respawn Aim Fire, our barf recording. Bar- barf. I almost started the acronym of barf by saying barf again, which actually what I just did do. Barf means backlog accomplished with Respawn and friends. Every month, or in this case, two months, we play one game in our backlog. This month, Chad, it was... Horizon Zero Dawn Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> this game has some historic uh, precedent on this show. Because when we first started the show, our very first episode, That's Chad right. was playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I didn't get to it until after Breath of the Wild, and because I played it immediately after Breath of the Wild, didn't get that far into it because I kept comparing it to Breath of the Wild. So I've always wanted to go back and play it. And, and you finally we did. did. That's what we played. It's I been finally 84 did. years. 84 years. And 84 years of Chad telling me he doesn't want me to play it because he doesn't want to hear me <laughs> shit all over it. <laughs> Which I'm not going to do. But I, I wouldn't say I'm as positive as everyone else is on it. But before we get into all that... Chad, did you play it all the way through again? Because you platinumed it already, didn't you? I, I uh, am a platinum trophy holder for the Horizon Zero Dawn video game console uh, coming to America and Japan and Europe in 2017. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a platinum trophy holder. I played it on New Game Plus, and I played it on Easy. And so I had all the weapons, all my upgrades. I had the super secret armor that you had to go get all the cells for and unlock and um and the armor just basically acts as an overshield and recharges and shit. So, and then I played it on easy mode, and then I I just went through that story again and just killed some dinosaurs, and it was such a good time for me. Hold on, did you play <laughs> so it, it on like non easy something... mode and not on new game plus? So, uh, it sounds like we had a similar experience because at a certain point, I just turned it to story mode. <laughs> I've One never step done below easy. Before. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And what I want, I fully understand why this game has a story, like why games in general have a story mode. Like, I think it's something I might use going forward now because I liked the story a lot, but man, I did not enjoy the combat. I found the combat really frustrating. I talked to Dallas a little bit about it. He gave me some pointers. And even after that, I'm like, no, I'm keeping it on story mode because that's just more enjoyable for me. So, do you want to talk about story first or the combat first? Where do you want to jump into first? Do you have any first? info about the game up front? Oh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. Nope, it was didn't have. released didn't in 2017 that. from Guerrilla Games. This is their <laughs> first game that was not, uh, in a very, very long time, that was not a kill zone game. So, they were coming off of mediocre first-person shooters uh, that were PlayStation exclusive. And... Um, after Shadowfall, they played a little around a little bit. I'm I am making this all not making it up, but, but this is all coming from my brain and not from a Wikipedia. You article. just know a lot about it. Uh, Guerrilla Games uh, recently made Shadowfall for the launch of the PlayStation Three Four in 2013, and um, they wanted to try their hand at something new. And Sony said yes, and it was awesome. And so they released this game using the Decima engine, it's a brand new engine to take advantage of all of the PS4 uh, power and things that it can handle. Went on later to be used by Death Stranding. Um, out now for PC as well. There's an expansion. This came out in February, at the end of February of 2017. The expansion, Frozen Wilds, came out in November of that same year. It was not required for this barf. And that's all I remember about it. Pretty much covers it. Yep. There's a sequel coming out called Horizon Forbidden West. Correct, Amundo. Which is also going to be on PS4 and PS5. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That game looks good. And I'm going to play that game. Good. 
on story mode. Our background is, <laughs> is cycling through the same two pictures. <laughs> I think. Great. It's going to be fun. It's, a good, it's good pictures. I'm sorry. So, did you have a question that you asked me that I didn't answer? No, not at all. Not at all. Good. Um, I, I'd say let's just jump into the story and talk about the story first, because I liked the story a lot in this game. The story is... Okay, this game is good for a lot of reasons, but the sci-fi story of this game is one of my favorite sci-fi stories of all time. It is so freaking interesting and cool. And if you are one of those people like, I don't know, a, a Dallas Smith, who just spent all this time fighting <laughs> robot dinosaurs and never made it to a part where you actually got involved in the story... You are doing yourself a disservice because there's wait. There's a Dallas hasn't beaten the story of this game. No, Dallas Dallas has what? not beaten the story of this game. He just got he got so obsessed with fighting dinosaurs and robots that he never actually did the story. Um, but that's the best part of the game, without a doubt. It like, is hands fantastic. down. There's there's there are a couple of really great turning points in the story, and we'll dive into them in depth a little bit. But the the big one that after I saw it the, the first time, and of course again this time, after I saw it, it was when the, the point of no return, when silence tells you you're about to, like there's no coming back from what you're about to do, and you're in the, the I forget the name, the place with the gladiator arena, and you go and he says, this is Sun no City. coming back, and that's when you find out about the truth behind what Zero Dawn is, and that it was global extinction and we're building up all these programs that are all going to run off of this main AI with Gaia and I was just like what the fuck am I watching because we knew yeah that we knew so we should say spoiler alert we should we didn't oh, even say spoiler alert for the 100%. story 100% your, your job you had one job and it was to play this game anytime in the last four years um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the so that that specific moment where you find out what Zero Dawn is, is awesome. This is such an awesome moment. Yeah. You go in there and the kind of official military dude in the hol like purple hologram is talking to you and he's like, you've probably heard all these things about Zero Dawn. You might have heard it's a super weapon. These are all lies. I started them. And then he's like, you're like, okay, I knew that someone's going to be up with Zero Dawn. I think there's going to be some like revelation around Zero Dawn. They wouldn't have named the game Zero Dawn if it wasn't a revelation of some kind. But like, holy shit, like... The build-up to it, I think, is what made it as well. Because before you get to that moment, there's you I'm going to different areas right and finding out little pieces of information about what the scientists in the past, one of the old ones, the uh, ones. named the ancient ones, named uh, was it Elizabeth? It wasn't Elizabeth. It was, it was Elizabeth. Elizabeth Sobek. I can't stand that name. Like just put an H. <laughs> just put an H to the so end of it. So <laughs> pretentious. Um, yeah, and, and there's all this buildup of their concern of how to deal with this robot problem, and you're hearing about the robot problem, and you're like, oh yeah, there's all these robots all over the world. I know, like, that's the leftovers of the robot problem. And then you find out it's not. Those are there to repopulate the world again. Here's one question I do have, I'm confused about. Yeah. How exactly does Gaia work? Does it take over the old machines? Or does it wait? Like, that's the part I was confused about. What happened to the old machines besides being buried underground? Like we saw in the end. So uh, we, are, we are jumping super out of order here. But yes, Gaia, the AI, the old machines, this yeah. was, we're talking literally 700 years ago. Actually, more than that. Um, it was around 2300 when the people, the very first people who were brought up in, and back to life by Gaia actually went out into the world and started repopulating it. So before 2300, but after 2070, whatever, when this all happened, 
uh, Gaia built the spire, and the spire sent out the thing that all the old machines, like the giant destructive war machines that we fight, um, that canceled out the directive to just consume everything and wipe the earth clean. All biomatter, whether it's bugs, bacteria, plants, humans, it, it was just taking that and converting them into fuel. So Gaia's spire wiped all of that out. They ate everything. Everything on the planet was already eaten and overgrown, so that just basically deactivated the machines, and then hundreds of years of overgrowth and shit like that just completely buried them under the, under the earth. So wait a second. Why didn't they just do that immediately and deactivate their programming? They didn't do it immediately because there was no back door. They had to work. They had to crack the encryption, which took over fifty years. Which is why Gaia had oh, to. That's, they were that's all going right. to be long dead before okay. they could crack the encryption. So there, they showed that like that. the the bars of like how fast extinction is coming and like how fast the encryption is going to occur. I remember that yeah. now. Okay. So they said it would take us half a century to crack the encryption. We have sixteen months. So they were like, we, we can't do it. So Gaia's job first was crack the encryption, and then it was uh, deactivate all the machines, and then it was terraform the planet, build up a bunch of new machines, not, even, not necessarily like make them animals, or it was you imagine whatever you need them to be, you make them, even if they're brand new types of creatures, terraform the earth so that it's livable and life is, is sustainable on it, and then reintroduce population educate them all of that so that was Gaia's directive and it took until 23 uh i think it was like 2370 something before she finally released the first humans back in the wild <laughs> her little baby and the humans are back humans are back yes but anyway it was taking a step back real quick like this story there are i feel like there are three main points in this story that really that that build on each other and really kind of open your eyes to it and you start out just thinking, okay, this is a, a robot, a post-apocalyptic world. There are robot dinosaurs everywhere. They attack the humans every once in a while, but sometimes they're peaceful. And there's this, this tribal life. You're only introduced to the tribe. And they're worshiping this all-mother, okay, whatever the tribal religion is. And the moment when the proving happens, and everyone gets slaughtered, and then you find, oh, let me take you down to All-Mother. And you're like, wait a minute, you're taking me to, oh, maybe it's Mother Earth. Maybe it's somewhere where they're close. And you find out that their whole religion is based around a door, just a broken, corrupted <laughs> metal door that just says, uh, identification scan incomplete or identification scan rejected. And that's who they think their god is. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was I mean, a mind-blowing moment right there for me. In a way, though, it really is their god. Like, it, that... Part of that machinery is, in my opinion, as real as anyone else's god. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, you can see this god. Um, yeah. So that that blew my mind that I'm sitting here, this whole tribal life, and we find out, oh my god, it's they're just worshiping a dead door. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you go on, you play the game, you you start to discover some of these vantage points, these viewpoints where. Uh, you can see little pieces of, of what used to be Colorado Springs, but is now this beautiful terraformed landscape. And you're starting to pick up pieces and, and audio logs, which we'll get to in a second, which are fantastic. The text and the audio logs and things like that in this game are amazing. But the second moment that kind of like opens up your eyes, and and until this, you're you're really into the combat, or at least I was. You're really into the combat, and that's what's driving the gameplay. I want to go out and, oh, there's a new type of machine that I get to learn how to kill, or I get a new weapon, and I'm really into that. So I'm, I'm into, actually, the mechanics of the game. 
And then somewhere around a third to maybe two-fifths of the way through the game, you have to climb that really tall building. And at the top of it, you learn about the fact that these robots are overrunning the world. And Elizabeth Sobeck has created some kind of plan called Zero Dawn. And Mr. Farrow says, oh, my God, there's no way I'm going to do this. But we just think that it's a way of, like, at that point, the plan is, um, what was it called? It was... um, it was like Lasting Freedom or something, Operation Lasting Freedom or something like that, where we just give everyone a gun and we send them to the lines to try to defeat the robots while we come up with a plan to destroy them for good. So we're sacrificing a lot of people. And that's when I was like, oh my God, okay, so it's extinction by machines is kind of what's at stake, but obviously Zero Dawn was something that saved us all and, and allowed us to, to kind of fight it all back. And that was the second where it was like, whoa. Now I'm even more invested in the story. The gameplay is cool, but now I really kind of want to find out what the story is about. What did you feel, before we get to the final part, what did you feel about that part of the story? Did that do anything for you? Oh, yeah. It was, that's where I started to get interested in the story. Because, like, before that, it's, it's kind of this very standard, uh, like, oh, I'm an orphan, but I want to go out there and find the origin of my parents and where I came from. And I'm just like, all right, let's see where this goes. And I just wasn't, like, gripped at that point. But I'm like, because I kept thinking, like, how does this, I knew something grand was happening because I had a friend back in Chicago explain the whole story to me, which I'd forgotten. And that's why it was really cool to start seeing this stuff happen and all the revelations occur. But I'm kind of like, I know this is going to tie into something bigger. So I'm going to keep going for that reason. But that was the moment where that first conversation, the first hologram conversation between Pharaoh and Elizabeth, I'm like, okay, this is interesting because they're giving me this piece and I know there's more to this piece. What's zeroed on? And they do a good job of posing those questions and getting you thinking about what it could be. And a lot of that just comes from, like, uh, Aloy herself just saying, like, out loud, like, what's Zero Dawn? And I'm like, yeah, what is Zero Dawn, Aloy? Like, let's go find out together. Or um, as you start to hear, and, like, the devil, the metal devil talking. It's like, why does it want me dead? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Also, like, who's silence? Like, here's this guy who's a hologram talking to you, and you never see. At first, I thought he was probably a machine coercing her into doing something that was kind of my my guess as to what was happening kind of was in a way yeah (laughs) in a way um we'll get to that because it's kind of towards the end of the story but um so i was that's where i started to get gripped on the game because i guess i said before combat wasn't grabbing me too much and the story i'm like eh the story is okay but the world's gorgeous and then that was the moment i'm like okay i'm into this i'm just gonna blow through these story missions now and find out what's going on yeah, I remember exactly that being my my main driver to saying, okay, I'm ready to figure out what's going on in the story. I'm going to I'm going to really zero in on the main story and then I'll come back and clean up all the other stuff later. So so then the third the third big moment of this game is when you do when Silence says you're in the the Sun City and Silence says what you're about to see like this is the, there is a point of no return. If you want to do anything else, make sure you go back because at at that point in a video game, you're used to this being, okay, cool. That's the final mission. I'm going to go clean up any side quests, blah, blah, blah. And I did the first playthrough. Went and cleaned up everything. And then I came back to this. And you find out that that's not the final mission. You still have maybe a good seven or eight hours of the game left. But it is very much a, like, once you know this, there's no unknowing it. And it's just like, oh, my God, everything else. So that's when you find out, as you mentioned, Pharaoh is, is saying, hey, all these rumors are a lie. Here's actually what it is. And to lay it out in simpler terms, I know we've kind of discussed it a little bit. So their plan is we there is no fighting this back. It is going to eat and kill everything on this planet and make it completely unlivable. Their plan is in these 16 months, can we make an AI 
and a series of systems that will be able to bring back life to Earth after it's been completely destroyed sometime in the future. Uh, that was part one of their plan, and then they also had a shuttle that they were hoping to shoot off into space with uh, information and people on it too, so that they had two kind of options for humanity surviving. The shuttle did not make it. It exploded in space. So then this was their only option. So you had Gaia as the AI, and again, in order to crack the encryption for these robots that were that were intended, the robots were intended to be useful, like military, or they were they were there to like, um, they were useful robots. But there was a, if you're reading all the like, listening to the audio things and reading the text logs, you start to notice and you're like, man, these, these robots in the ocean, did you hear about that time where they, they ate that entire pack of dolphins? Oh my God, we can't let that get out. We can't let that get to the news because then everyone's going to hate these robots. And you find out that they were created so that they could eat biomatter. So grass and plants and trees and small animals and things like that if they were running low on fuel or energy. And then they also were made to self-replicate so that they could, if they break down or a piece of them breaks, they can replace it on their own without needing humans. And that just turned into two pieces of a disaster where not only were they replicating and making multiple versions of themselves, but then they were seeking out animals and humans and things to eat. And then uh, we didn't build a back door. This is a cautionary tale for Apple. We didn't build a back door and then the world ended. <laughs> <laughs> So again, we couldn't crack the inscription. The encryption. Um, so we made an AI who would do that for us, who then had several different directives underneath of her that were in charge of little tasks. So like Apollo was there to store all of the information, all of the culture, all of our knowledge, and teach it to whatever humans ended up coming next. There was uh, Hephaestus, which was the the. Um, cradles where all of these machines would be built so as you go into these and you fight and you see these new corrupted things and you learn how to like overtake them those are where they were manufacturing the machines that would terraform the planet and make it livable again uh so all of these different pieces including also embryos like they were they were creating embryos and and raising them they had to come up with ai robot parents who would the, one of my favorite uh ones is reading about how the parents they were having trouble with them switching modes and personalities like being a, a healer versus uh uh someone who would punish the kids and then they would start it would start fighting with itself like it would start punishing and then the healer would be like no it's okay no no and then it would it would just had this like cognitive dissonance in it it was really funny to read about and then hades so there was hades and hades was in, it was created just in case on the first try if guy didn't get it right Hades could wipe the slate clean, destroy everything that was made, and let Gaia start again. And all of these were built with so many different safeguards in place. Um, and then out of nowhere, uh, in 20... Actually, in 20... 2360-something, um, they started to run out of food and supplies. They were raising humans inside. They had this all these adolescents, and they let them out in the world. And they're like, we, we have to let you go because you'll die in here because we don't have food. And they started what became the tribes, the Nora, the Karja, the Shadow Karja, all these people. So they've been around for a little over 600 years now. And then in 2320, there was some kind of transmission that woke up Hades uh, and took all of those separate pieces and made them their own individual, like they were no longer governed by Gaia. So Hades was now able to get out of control. Um, and so with Gaia's last breath, she realized like, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to fight this off. I'm going to need to self-destruct to stop Hades. 
she cloned Elizabeth Sobeck in order to make sure that Elizabeth Sobeck could come back to life, reboot Gaia, stop Hades, and then placed the baby. You could even read the log where it says, like, door opened, subject blah, 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 placed, door sealed, broken down. It was, it was So you could see, like, the moment that Aloy was born or given to the Nora. Uh, and that was in- and they thought she was... It, basically, they, cat, they outcast her because they, they were scared of her, essentially. Right, yeah. They're like, oh, where yeah. the fuck did this baby just come from? It's got to be some <laughs> kind of demon or outsider. And so, yeah, and so what we still don't know is who sent the initial transmission that woke up Hades and and made them all their own independent thing. I bet Silence probably did it. That's my guess. Well, that's what Silence wants to know. If you watch the cutscene after the credits, Hades yeah. jumps into Silence's little thing and he says, "We have so much. To, you have so many questions to answer. Like, first, who sent that transmission to you?" So, oh, that's right. That's right. That's the question he asked. As he looks to bring him into yeah. the giant titan, as you can see on our background right now. Oh, no, sorry. That's the Grave Horde. Um, so, yeah, fascinating story. We also learn another little tidbit. There's so much more into it. But another little tidbit that we learn kind of ver- towards the very end is that Pharaoh gets cold beat, cold feet. <laughs> cold beats. Cold feet after Elizabeth <laughs> Sobek um, is a martyr and basically seals the door so that everyone else can live and she has to die. And he says... All of this history that we've stored in Apollo, we're going to teach this to people? That's the disease. Like They are they are the cure for this disease, our knowledge that got us to this point and caused wars and, and conflict, and, and we're going to give this to them and do it all again? And then he, he erased everything in Apollo, and then he killed all of the Alpha Primes, the people who were like the, the only people who could repopulate that knowledge. Uh, and that's why, even after finding all of this stuff, nobody really knows anything because Apollo is wiped clean. Which is a mistake. And that is Not a good the story of Horizon Zero Dawn in 4,000 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a a very, very compelling story, especially for me because my whole the whole time going like, why? what does all this have to do with the proving and the attack during the proving and, you know, uh, and Ailey being an orphan. I'm kind of like, I feel like that was just an excuse to get her into the world. Like, no, it all ties back into itself. Like, why was the, why were they all attacked to the proving? Cause they were going after Aloy because that was the eclipse and they were, they were basically working on behalf of Hades and like it all ties back in a really, in a really, really great way. So that was really nice to see. Cause it could have just been like, yeah, she's an orphan. That's her excuse for being curious and getting out there. And she stumbles upon this crazy stuff, but no, they, they circled it back, which is nice. Did you listen to when we first learned about like you're going through and you find out actually what zero dawn is. And there are all of these interviews mm-hmm. and things like that. Did you listen to all of those kind of accounts of people who were being interviewed and whether or not they wanted to stay and, I listened to whatever was a part of the main story. So when you are like in the room and there's like the boardroom and you hear everyone talking, I listen to that kind of stuff. I don't usually listen to audio logs that much in games. Oh man, you miss so much. This part of the part of the interview. This is the very first <laughs> game that I felt like I need to learn everything about this, and especially that that exact mission where you discover all of that. I spent a good two hours just crawling around that facility, listening to everything, reading everything. But the whole kind of thing behind it, they found these people from all over, the best of their fields, and they brought them all in in one area, and they showed them that first video, and they said, all right, from here, um, we're we're going to disclose to you the truth. But after that happens, 
you can no longer leave this facility. And so they have to make a choice. Do I, all right, all right, do I listen to what that is? And then they tell them exactly what's going to happen. Everyone will die. Your loved ones will die. We are creating the future here that will hopefully repopulate the world in hundreds of years. And then people had to choose, do I accept that and do I work on Zero Dawn? Do I reject that and I stay in a cell until Zero Dawn is done and basically the world is dead and then you can release me back into the wild to die by machine? Or do I choose medical euthanasia and you kill me? Um, and so people had to make those decisions and they were like, and we have support staff on, or psychologists on hand to, you know, help you make this decision. And people were like, you have 48 hours. No matter what decision you make, you have 48 hours to reconsider, but you cannot go back to your life as is. And people were like, I have family members who are on the front lines right now. You're telling me that's a lie. But so yeah, then they were able to, if they chose to stay and work on it, then they were able to live in that kind of, they were able to live out their natural lives in that safe haven there until they all died, but they all had to be medically sterilized as well so that they couldn't reproduce down there. Um, so it was like listening to all of their reactions through that was fascinating, and I loved every freaking second of it. And I want so, I want books, I want comic books, I want TV spinoffs, <laughs> just exploring every piece of this because it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll go back and check that out. I've just never been one to listen to the audio logs in games because usually what happens is you start listening to the audio log and unless you just sit there and listen to it and stop playing the game, something will interrupt the audio log and then I feel like I missed the point altogether. That's, so I generally as I was just stay away about, from them. Yeah, as I was thinking about what do I want in a Horizon 2, I know this is too early to have this conversation right now, but part of it is the audio logs, if you started progressing too far into the level then Aloy would start speaking to silence and they would literally just play over each other. Yeah. Like the audio yep. log would be going at the same time and then you couldn't understand either one of them. And it's like, well, fuck. They need to have like a, because here's the option. They had, I noticed they had a stop button for one of the audio logs. And I'm like, oh, I'll be able to resume it, right? And then you hit stop and it's like, well, now I have to go back to the menu and remember mm -hmm. which audio. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's too hard to, rem I'm not going to memorize the name of every audio log, especially when some of them are just dates. So... It was great. Yeah, I missed out. Fantastic. I missed out. You did. You did. Mm-hmm. What else do you um, want to talk about with this game? There's so much more to talk about. Yeah, I think one of the... I want to be the other big highlight for me, because the story was really good, but even though I... This is weird. I I wasn't a big fan of, like... This is such, I, this is such a contradictory thing to say, but I, let me see if I can get this out there. I, though I wasn't a big fan of the open-world layout, in the terms of, like, I feel like... If you told if you took a picture of one of the areas, I wouldn't be able to tell you where that was on the map. But goddamn, was that a fucking gorgeous open world with amazing vistas um, to look at. But not, but it's weird because then none of them were like memorable. I'm like, oh, I know how to get back there again, just based on like, looking at it. It didn't like yeah. stick in my memory <clears throat> in that way. Um, but it was just insanely gorgeous. The part I'm like, how is this running on a PS4? Because this is significantly better looking than other open world games that I've seen. With one of the exceptions being, and uh, quite obviously, Death Stranding, which also has a very gorgeous looking open world that looks very realistic. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's nothing to do with the fact that both of them are on the Decimate engine. Not related at all, most likely. Yeah. Um, sarcasm, they're totally related. <laughs> um, yeah, the open world was really, really gorgeous looking. And when you're in, in terms of like, coming into a city and like the entrance to Meridian for example it feels like a natural city I can believe that that was built there seemed to be like a like an unwritten history of it like without me having to read an audio log I'm like no there's 
excuse me, there's a history to this place. And each place kind of had its own distinct culture. And like those elements, the world building elements were really strong, even without listening to all the audio logs and, and all that stuff. So that part was also very, very cool. Yeah. I, I, I think about games like kind of going off of that. I didn't know where anything was, but it was all really beautiful. Yeah. I think about games like you know, the Resident Evil series, like the police station mm-hmm. in Resident Evil 2 or the house in Resident Evil 7 or re- the mansion in Resident Evil 1 and how like yeah. when you're done playing those games, if someone asks you to draw a map of the police station, you can be like, oh yeah, absolutely. I can draw every single room where it gets. there's such mm-hmm. a good, it's so well thought out. Now, obviously those are much smaller spaces, but when it yeah. comes to this open world, I wish there was a little bit more, and I hope that we see this in, in Forbidden West, I wish there was a little bit more thought into making areas look unique enough that they're identifiable or yeah. that the layout of everything is, is I wish there's a little bit more thought put into it. And I think about this mainly yeah. the city of Meridian, how many times mm-hmm. I got lost in that city just trying to fucking get out of it. <laughs> like I would fast travel to that campfire and I'm like, cool, the thing I need is a hundred steps away. And I just get turned around all over that fucking city. It was like, I don't know where the, everything mm-hmm. looks the same in the city. But it's also all really yeah. cool to look at. The I've only played two. I think that must be a really, really hard challenge to overcome. I've only played two open world games that I can tell you, like, oh, I know how to get there based on what the path I'm on right now. I know if I go this way, I'll get, I'll go towards that city. And it's Red Dead Redemption Two and Breath of the Wild are the only two. Um, and even like in the case of Breath of the Wild, it wasn't even because I played it for 300 hours. Like I was kind of getting that feeling, like 20, 30 hours in or so. Yeah. Which is a pretty normal, like you know, range for um, an open world game, and, and that included with uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. But that's got that's got to be incredibly difficult to pull off, because Horizon Zero Dawn is a fantastic open world. It has a very unique feel to it, the way it transitions from a snowy area to a desert area. Like even though it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense in a real world to have that kind of transition from snowy to desert like that quickly it still feels really natural it's terraformed to be what Gaia needed it to be yeah naturally that couldn't happen though you couldn't have the hot and cold that close to each other but anyway anyway (laughs) anyway um it still felt natural like you can you're you come out of the snowy mountain area and then you start kind of seeing some kind of rocky areas that have like snow patches on them and stuff and it transitions really well it's just really cool the world feels that that natural and the placement of there's so many machines around as well which actually does a really good job for just narrative purposes and kind of that world building it just worked really well and they, they did a good job of the grouping of them in certain areas and deciding where they're going to be. Like, there's just so much that's really well thought out in terms of the open world and the environment and how you navigate it and all that stuff. It's, it's just really good shit. Which is why yeah. I'm like, I do want to play The Forbidden West when it comes out. I'm just going to put it in story mode so I can kind of just enjoy that stuff without getting yeah. too deep into the combat of it. And to think that this was, again, a team that is completely... All they've done is first-person shooters. Go down mm-hmm. corridor after corridor in a very linear game, shooting bad guys, and now they're making this lush, delicious open world. With so many <laughs> yeah. robots. I, I watched, started watching the beginning of No Clips documentary on Horizon Zero Dawn. I didn't get very far into it, but uh, one of the things that I did get to was them talking about how they're just like, we don't want to make another drab game. <laughs> like, we want to make something with color and liveliness to you it. You can tell that with Shadowfall, Kills on Shadowfall. 
Yeah, they actually literally said, we wanted to make something that we could, like, talk about on the school ground when we were picking up our kids <laughs> without <laughs> being, like, talking about something really depressing and you know, tyrants that murder people and stuff. It's like, we would just like to talk about something that's not quite that grim. So I guess they decided to make a game about robots that eat each other, pe- eat people alive, and causes an extinction. Still brighter than, <laughs> yeah. uh, than Killzone. <laughs> um, let's jump into combat. So you loved it. Let's talk about the positive stuff first, and then I'll share my opinions <laughs> on the combat. I do. I love the combat because I feel like with all the different types of weapons and all the different types of machines and their weaknesses, and some of them have canisters and some of them have other weak points and weapons that you can shoot off, uh, I feel like every single combat encounter is completely fresh. And you can do stealth, and you can take over machines. Like There are so many different ways every encounter can go. And it's just so fun to play around with it. So, like, you could come across a, a field of grazers, and you could just hide in some grass, and you could time it well enough where you shoot fire arrows under the, cal- under the canisters on their back, and then one by one they explode, and they all just end up killing each other within the explosions. And that feels super badass. And then you have, like, the trip caster, where you, if you're just... If you're stealthy enough, you can set them up in the right way, and then you can lure enemies into it. Um... Th- I didn't use the Terror Blaster much at all. That's like the shotgun-type weapon, but it's really good against humans. Mm-hmm. But And then you have the elements tied into it, too, so you can like freeze people to make them twice as vulnerable to damage. You can uh, electrocute them just to, to um, shock them and just kind of make them um, stunned for a second. And it's just so versatile, and there are so many times where I found myself coming across a group of three or four different types of machines all in one thing, and I'm like, okay. What selection of weapons do I need right now? I'm going to go and change them all out. How am I going to tackle this? Okay, I'm going to put up a couple of tripwires here. I'm going to get out the rope caster to tie down the fucking glint hawks. I'm going to shoot the watchers in the eyes first. I'm going to turn this guy good as I kind of sneak around behind him. And then inevitably halfway through all of that, everyone sees me anyway, and I'm just fucking running around shooting grenades everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um no, I just I love how versatile it is, and I love how dynamic all the different robots are, and how different your strategy has to be for each one. And they mm-hmm. introduce them to you one at a time, like the the crocodile and the jaguars and the um, oh my god, the the fucking what's the the ones that dive into the ground, the giant ones that are rock monsters that fucking dive into the ground that were. I so talking about I the name tough. of them. Oh my god. Anyway, I loved I loved the variety of it. Um, and I'm hoping you played with a little bit of variety this time instead of just melee. No, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of melee this time. I tried to use okay. the bow more often and that's kind of where I started to get frustrated was actually just with the bow. First of all, stealth didn't really work great for me. Like you, I just kept getting seen every time I try something. So like I'd have these trip casters set up and then they wouldn't even go that way because they saw me somewhere else. And like, well, great. Those are just some, you know, glowing <laughs> ropes in the middle of the open world now. Um, so Here's here's my was kind of my frustration with it. I'm not good at first person shooters. I know this is not a first person shooter, but this relied on the twin stick mechanic of aiming with the right stick, right. and you have to be so fucking precise with hitting those canisters because it's not just that they're small; these machines move so fast and. Even when you slow down time, it seems like they move really fast. And so I would spend all this time, like, lining up the shot, make sure I hit that canister, because it might take longer to, to you know, uh, aim for the canister, but then I don't have to use 20 arrows to kill one machine, because your, the health goes down 
so slow otherwise, unless you really hit their weak points. They're basically telling you you have to hit their weak points. Yeah. But every time I go to like line up and hit something, some other robot would flank me from the side <laughs> and take out half my health. And I honestly just got so fucking frustrated with it. I turned it down to story mode, and I'm just like, I don't. It's just so frustrating. I feel like there wasn't anything I could have done to prevent all that stuff from happening. I think Chad is a not Chad. Uh, well, you as well. But I think Dallas is a absolute god if he was able to do some of this stuff on the hardest difficulty without getting hit at all it seems impossible to me yeah. and it's not like i'm bad at games i didn't do this until like halfway through the game and i'm like all right i'm bringing it down to story because i'm liking the story i want to get through it i was this close to doing lullaby and singing a song <laughs> over beating this game if it wasn't for the story like i couldn't stand it um there are exceptions like the um what are they called the big um the jaw? death machine things. Oh, not Thunderjaw. Um, Deathbringer. Yeah, Deathbringers. Those things. Those are more fun because they don't move as erratically, and you're really more just dodging their attacks than dodging their spasms of jumping all over the place. Um, but it, I don't know. It really got my nerves. Like I'd be aiming for a canister, but then they would position themselves so that I can't see their canister because they're facing me head on now. But if I stop doing slow-mo, then I have to wait a long time to get my slow-mo back. And I kind of feel like it's hard to do the combat, excuse me, if you're not in slow-mo because of how fast the machines move. Yeah. Is so anytime I'm just that I was bad shooting at the arrows, combat in this game. Anytime that I was shooting arrows, it's it had to be slow-mo. Otherwise, I'd miss every single shot. And if I didn't yeah. have slow-mo, then I'm like, cool. Then now I am going to sell somebody, or now I'm going to beat them with my stick, or now I'm going to yep. shoot a grenade at them, or a rope caster, or something like that, and wait for that to recharge. Yeah, and they're strong, too. Like, one of these things hits you, depending on which, you know, robot it is. I mean, you're talking, like, maybe half your health is gone, depending on yeah. which thing kind of flanked you from the side. So they're really, really tough. Did you play and... around with anything like, like corruption arrows or anything like that to turn them against each other and... I did the corruption sneaking up on them a few oh. times, like doing the override. Most of my overrides later on, though, were just to get the horsies and yeah. get to the locations faster. Um, but yeah, like it's not that I, I don't think the combat is really bad. I think it, it's clearly a great combat system. I'm just really bad at it, so I had to, to tune it down. So I feel like that's probably going to be the same in Forbidden West. I can't imagine that's going to change too much. I imagine it'll be it'll probably be similar for sure. Yeah. So I'm gonna play it, but I'm gonna do the story mode and I'm gonna do it in do story it, mode because when you're playing in story mode, the combat for me became way more fun because when you get hit, it's like ah, oh, you took down like a sixty-fourth of my health. <laughs> like nothing <Yeah. laughs> happened. And enemies also go down a lot faster. And then once I kind of got that frustration out of it, for me, I think I like my aiming got better because I wasn't as like stressed out. Like trying to yeah, there wasn't so much like hey, if I miss every it, shot. yeah, like oh, if I miss it, like whatever. I also like made sure to just totally stock up on blaze, and I just I think I just spammed fire arrows like the entire last <laughs> half of the game. Those things are so powerful. Maybe just in story mode, it's not as, not the case in normal. But like I feel like basically any robot I came to, I could notch three arrows, shoot it at their blaze canister, and they would just blow up, and that was like all I'd have to do. Um, so that was fun. Um. The human encounters, I thought, got better as they went along. Yeah, I know yeah, a lot of. That I think was the, the like one Dallas part of the game was saying, where I, was, I was not really into the human stuff. 
I, I kind of grew to like that just because that was really satisfying to uh, sneak up on people and just do headshots of the bow. It's really satisfying. Yeah. Um, so I like that part. Um, that is, that's like the one enemy that yeah. you can one hit kill too. So it's, it's really nice to get a headshot on them and be like, fuck yeah. Especially when you use slow-mo and you knock out like four of in a row and you're like, that's right. I did yep. that. <laughs> um, so that's good stuff. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> okay, so like the final mission, there was one part that was just really awesome. And I think it's because I have had so much of a frustration with like some of the, the robots that and when you're defending the ridge and you just get the huge cannon thing and you're just blasting things from a distance. Yeah. Was that also super easy on normal? Because that was just really satisfying to do. No, I remember I remember um I couldn't figure out you can't reload those cannons, can you? It was unlimited ammo for me. Oh. So it's yeah. not unlimited ammo <laughs> for like you get oh, like okay. you can charge up I think three or four shots per cannon and there were four cannons on the ground. Yeah. So I remember the very first time doing it that way. And then also this time I did the same thing where I blew all the shots within like the first five enemies. And then I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. Well, it's gotta be towards the end. And then there were just wave after wave after wave. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I wasted those really wasted those. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, yeah. because I was playing on new game plus, like I had, all of these fucking resources. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I had all these resources, so I never once was picking up things. I was never picking up Ridgewood. I was never picking up wire or anything like that. Just I don't fucking need it. And I was just always able to make new ammo. And then I ran out of ammo in that fight. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> so I was hitting a lot of things with my stick there. So basically nothing even came within like 500 yards of me because I would just snipe it out before it got to me. Like there was a lot of smoke in the distance and I'd start to like see a death ringer coming in from the smoke. I'm like, you're not even going to make it out of that smoke, motherfucker. Like I'm going to get you right now. And I did and it was satisfying and awesome. So that part was really cool for me, but it's apparently very different on normal or easy mode. Yep. You mentioned resources. Let's let's jump into yeah, that. Yeah, so this is the beginning of the shit that sucks in this game part. For you. And for... it's a continuation for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the way that they handle resources is trash. And it literally the... makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. And it makes the end the the problem is everything shares everything shares the same bag. So you have whether you pick up a fucking squirrel bone, or you pick up um, a canister of blaze, or you pick up a fish skeleton, whatever it is, it all shares <laughs> the same bag. So I pick up 30,000 fucking canisters of blaze and 20,000 watcher lenses, and then I try to go get a Thunderjaw heart, and I can't. It's like, oh, your bag is full. And it's like, ugh, that's frustrating. We're living in a time when like you're counting these. First of all, oh, the fact that just like blaze canisters don't take up one slot is just like 50 and 50 and 50 and 50 and 50. It's stupid. But then you got to go in and delete them to make room for things. That's frustrating. The second frustrating thing is that you can't delete a stack of them easily. You can delete one at mm -hmm. a time by holding a button, or you can press another button that brings up a slider that then you have to drag the slider all the way to the end, and then you have to hold a button to then delete that whole stack. So it takes like five or six seconds to delete a whole stack of things which is just too long for inventory management. And then the upgrades for it just don't even really help that much. You get up to 120 slots in your inventory, and that fills up real quick, especially because everywhere you run, 
medical herbs, Ridgewood, this shit on the ground, wax root, all, yep. everywhere. Everything you kill has seven things that you can pick up from it. And it very quickly becomes the the Elder Scrolls over encumbered because I picked up every cup on the ground kind of thing. And then it's really hard to get rid of all the cups. <laughs> and but at least in, El- in like Skyrim, you can increase the size of your bag or how much weight you can carry. There's right. options. There's no options, and you have an oddly restricted twenty slots to put everything in. Unless there was a way to expand it, I never saw it. But twenty slots is all that I had, and I just felt 20? like no, I had a hundred and twenty in the resources page. I yeah. had twenty where you can hold Maybe like you washer lenses it. and and Ridgewood yeah, and, and the chill blades water. and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did you do any of the like crafting, like killing, like, getting like boar pelts? Not too much. Like, well, that's where you get all the upgrades for your resources. Okay, but still, well, 120. I, I had a particularly hard time with it. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> if I were you, I would have thrown the game out the window if it weren't digital. Um, again, like halfway of the game, I switched to story mode, and in that case, just blaze arrows on everything. So I don't really need oh, to yeah. hold that much at that point. But it felt like I couldn't go to an enemy and just hit take all of the items. Yeah. I can never really do that. So you kind of had to, in each enemy, run through and look through every single little item in their inventory. And then it eventually gets to the point where it's like, oh, if that enemy doesn't drop and they have a little purple icon over it, I'm not even going to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was frustrating. And then you get you have the same problem then with the like little upgrade pieces, like the, the weave that you can put into your stuff to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the same issue. So I, I hope to God... That they don't have those limits <laughs> in Forbidden West. That one from that. wasn't as frustrating to me because if I found an upgrade module that I liked, I just put it in immediately and got rid of the old one and just dropped it. So I was just kind of but, always oh, putting things in. Oh, and then you just didn't in. pick up other ones. But I would fi- I would only use it if I if I needed it. I wouldn't really pick it up if I didn't want it. Gotcha. I would just pick up yeah. everything, and then I ended up with a whole bag full of green ones, and I couldn't pick up the ones I wanted, and then I got to mm-hmm. go throw away all the green ones. <laughs> so yeah that's that's got to be fixed for the second one and then the other thing i i on that same kind of note i fucking love the crafting system for ammo like just bringing mm-hmm. up the wheel everything kind of slows down oh and you just yeah pick your thing hold the button crafts three ammo for that over and over as you hold it it's like that I felt like was so smooth and allows me to be in a in a fight fucking sliding on the ground craft grenade 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 before all the slow-mo stops. <laughs> I loved that. But the other thing that absolutely I think they need to fix, and, and and part of it just comes with the fact that they've never done an open world game before, is the traversal. It was It was so bad. It was so bad. Okay, there were so many points I just Skyrimmed it. It would just yep. be like, I don't know how to get there, so I'm just going to jump up these rocks in a way I'm clearly not supposed to to yep. get there because I don't know what path they're talking about. What path are they? And it turns out it was like late at night, and there was a yellow marker on a rock that I was supposed to see, but I couldn't see because it was too dark. And that was supposed to you were supposed to climb up that part of the mountain, and that's what that yellow line was telling me on the yep. map. Like it and was it said, you that was so jump thirty times to get up ten feet on the side <laughs> of a mountain and. There was one point when I, I think it was when I was leaving the area where I found out what, what Zero Dawn is, and I'm like, I don't know how to get down from this mountain. I guess I'm just going to go down the waterfall, and I just <laughs> kept going down the waterfalls. It worked. I didn't die. There was but a, yeah, I'm like, this isn't the way I'm supposed to do this. There's no yeah. way. And the the traversal, like ledge jumping and stuff like that didn't feel good. I felt like if I was jumping from a ledge to another ledge... I would always hit the jump button, and they do that big jump, but then you go like two feet, and it's like, it, yep. it just feels weird. 
And then there Here's was one time. We... There was there was one time I was coming off of um, right after you talked to Silence for the last time in human form, and you can ask him all the questions. Oh no, it's right mm-hmm. before you get to that. You come out of getting the Hades um, destruction module or override module, and you're yeah, going to Silence, and you go and you jump, and you're supposed to jump and grab the line. And as you do it, Silence says, "Don't fall to your death." And I immediately fall to my death because I didn't quite hit the line perfectly. And she just goes, <laughs> <laughs> she just fucking jumps into the, the the pit below. There was so many points where they have you hopping on like rocks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you make Mr. Rock, you fall to your death where they put a random hold right below where like if you miss yeah. that jump you grab it. I'm like that was clearly just because game testers were falling to their death all the time. Like we need a quick fix for this. What can we do? Just put a hold underneath all of them so if they just barely miss it, they'll just hit that and they can jump up again. That happened all the time. And actually when I was I was playing um I think you guys were playing Destiny on party chat and I joined you guys but I was playing Horizon and I just was walking around going I don't know where to jump to I feel like I'm supposed to jump down to these trees and I jump down there and die over and over again and it turns out I was supposed to just go straight but it looked like I was going straight into a wall not straight into an area where I could climb that and that just that kind of stuff happened a lot yeah so that's gotta get better yep that's all the gripes that I have with it I mean really really from a sequel I I just want more enemy variety, which I, we already know we're going to get. We see Aloy swimming underwater, which is going to be cool. So exploring that. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And Silence is in it, too. So that story obviously continues. Yep. Well, I mean, we he's gotta in know. the trailer. What with him and Hades? They're best buds now. He's got Hades in a birdcage. <laughs> Just where Hades wanted to be, I bet. Yep. <laughs> and that was his master plan. So yeah, do we have any more thoughts on Horizon Zero Dawn? Favorite and least favorite robot. Um, you know, um, the birds are my least favorite. I think Glint Hawks fucking suck. Glint Hawks and Stormbirds both can suck it. Because there's points where I just wanted to get to my destination and I'd be riding, and then they would just hit me with their like shock stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I had to wait for my horse to get back up again. The Strider, it's called Striders. And then as soon as I got back on the Strider, they'd hit me again. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I cannot avoid it. There's no way to avoid it. You just go and all of a sudden it hits you. Drove me nuts. But then the Striders were just my best friend because they took me everywhere. So <laughs> that's my favorite one. Um, uh, favorite maybe is the Thunderjaw or the um, Ravager. Mostly because I love just knocking their weapons off of them, picking them up, and then just obliterating them with their own <laughs> weapons. It's great. <laughs> Least favorite, the birds. I need the birds. Give me a bird and I'll kill it. Don't put a bird on it. <laughs> Don't put a bird on it. Mm-mm. Responding fire. That's it. Do we have anything else to say about this? Uh, nope. nope. All right. Next month. And December, or I guess this month, November and December, remember we're doing things a little bit differently. We are not playing backlog games, but we are instead playing new PlayStation 5 games. Godfall yeah. and Demon Souls are what you told us you want to hear about. So we're going to dive ass deep into those. Uh, that's a term that I learned from Average Nobodies. It's one past balls deep. You go straight oh. through to your ass. Um, 
We're going to go as, as deep into those. Stick around if you're watching live right now. In about 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to be unboxing some PS5 accessories and doing a little bit of a retrospective. We'll see you all soon. <laughs>